Welcome to Ride Ever Stride, episode 23. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride. And I'm here today again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How you doing, Van? Laura, I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a gorgeous day in North Texas, and uh, happy to be talking about horses again. Well, there you go. Same here. Beautiful day down here. It's it's almost scary. It's still August, but yet we've got fall-like temperatures. This just feels amazing. Pretty nice. Yeah. Well, we we talked a little bit in uh, episode 23 about, we we mentioned the fact that a lot of stuff has happened in your life between episode 21 and 22. And so now I think we want to talk a little bit about one of the big events that happened back then that kind of came out of the blue for you and maybe had a little bit of an impact on your horsemanship because for many, many years before that, you had said... You had not been hurt since you were a small child by a horse. Right. Tell the listeners what happened. I mean, some of the folks that listen and follow you on Facebook, they know. But for those who are new to Van Hargis and Van Hargis horsemanship, t- tell a little bit about what happened in June of 2015. Sure. Well, Laura, it's you know me, and I've always emphasized safety around the horses and just being keenly aware of what can go wrong. But at the same time, I, I'm a little bit hesitant because I don't want people to be afraid. You know, I don't want them to live in fear uh, and, and have all these anxieties built up because of all the worries of all the things that could possibly go wrong. But there's a, it's important to have a keen awareness. And I've told people that I've been very fortunate in my, my career. I've trained world champion horses. I've trained students who've gone on to win world championships. And, you know, I've won personally more stuff than I could count. And yet I tell people all the time, it's not those belt buckles and trophy saddles and awards and things like that, that I'm most proud of. What I was most proud of for so many years was my track record and safety. You know, I'd been around horses since I was four years of age and started riding competitively when I was nine. And then when I was nine, uh, in my opinion, the best lesson I could possibly learn happened at the ripe old age of nine years old when I got kicked in the face by a horse. And it wasn't just any horse, and it wasn't one of those situations where, you know, I was in a dangerous situation, I didn't think anyway, but it was literally the gentlest horse on our place. I'd walked in behind her while she was sleeping in her stall, and the closest thing to me was her hindquarter, and I reached up and touched her on the butt. It startled her. She jumped forward and kicked back, and shazam, right in the face. And, um, you know, had several surgeries, had to rebuild my, my cheeks and my jaws, and and, um, you know, really great lesson. And I, I had to learn for myself that, wow, if the gentlest horse on the place could do that, just imagine what some of these suckers could do that aren't quite so gentle. So it really opened up in my mind that sense of awareness. And I'd practiced that for 43 years, you know, 42 years, I guess it was. And at the 42-year mark last year, bam, I had another accident. And so, well, let's go back a little bit. I want to talk about that accident because that's kind of the the point of this episode. Expand a little bit on what happened to you as a nine-year-old affected your horsemanship and your approach to horses and their owners 
over the next 30 some years or as a professional horseman? Well, I think it was that realization, you know, as cruel and as bad as it seemed, it was the realization that, wow, you can actually get hurt doing this. Because before, like a typical little kid, I'd go out and play with the horses, jump on them bareback, crawl between their legs. And keep in mind, Laura, I was an only child. So dogs and horses were my playmates and I played a lot, (laughs) but I'd never experienced any kind of pain other than something that I may have done, you know, falling off a horse or something. Couldn't blame a horse for that. But suddenly this horse kicked me. And the realization was, is that, you know, even those really gentle ones can do it. And the effect later was, is that awareness now that you could get hurt and the horse is strong, it's powerful. Uh, But at the same time, in this particular case, it was totally innocent. It didn't mean to hurt me. It wasn't its intention to hurt me. But the end result was still that, that I was hurt. And that became a great lesson for me is that whose responsibility is it to protect me? And I learned then that it's my responsibility. The horse did nothing but protect itself. You know, why did it kick me? Is because it was asleep. And I walked in the stall and I touched it. It startled it. And as a result of that, it just reacted, which is very common and very natural for a horse to do is react. And it's unfortunately, it's immediate, very quick, very strong, very powerful reaction ended up being very hurtful for me. So it was, I always tell people, it's a, probably the, the greatest lesson in horsemanship that I've ever learned. And I, you know, as a former student of yours, I can, you know, testify how much of emphasis you always put on safety in every lesson we had, not just out in the arena, but, you know, from the moment you approached the barn. And so obviously that had a huge impact on you. And I've watched you over the years since I've known you and your emphasis on safety, on being aware of where the horse is, where you are, what you're doing, what they're doing, what other people around you are doing, and all those things that for many, many, many years kept you safe and unharmed in working with horses every day, all day for, you know, your entire adult life. So now fast forward to June, even with that as a context and with all your measures and awareness for keeping safe, you still got hurt. Set the scene there for what happened. Sure. And like you said, I I love that little fast forward. So now we're going to jump up 43 years and uh, June of last year. I was riding a young two-year-old filly, and we'd had several rides on her at this stage. I mean, several rides. We were almost to the point sending her back home to the client. Just been doing several riding lessons. I was happened to be riding this filly as I was conducting the riding lessons. And toward the end of that session, I thought, well, I'm going to work on stops before I retire her for the day. And uh, so I'm long trotting her out and asking her to, you know, to give me some really good stops. And when I say stops, this horse is being trained as a performance horse. So we're really thinking in terms of really trying to emphasize her stopping and and having her stop correctly, which is soft and light and getting her hind end up underneath her. All of those really good things that you see in these nice young horses stopping properly. Well, I'm long trotting her out and and I sat down in the saddle just right and I pick up the reins and I say, whoa. And this little girl just stuck her tail in the ground, so to speak, and gave me the best stop you could possibly ask for. And the, the arena that I was riding in was actually designed for reining horses. So the surface underneath the topsoil is very, very tight, which means the horses can slide very easily. And as a result of that, she slid and she slid a little bit more than what we had anticipated or what I'd anticipated and literally got her back feet so far up underneath her. And when her momentum stopped, she didn't know what to do. 
And I felt the pause. I mean, I'm in the saddle. This has happened to me, you know, hundreds of times. And I felt this pause and I thought to myself, uh oh. And I knew then that she had basically three things that she could probably do either step forward and, you know, stand up and step forward, or she could step to the side and stand up, or she could step backwards and stand up. But unfortunately for me, she chose an option that I wasn't really thinking about at the time. She sat down. So now her butt literally is on the ground and the momentum of her sitting down brought her backwards. And I've, I've never been the type to bail out. You know, I, I had a horse several years ago fall off a bridge with me and I rode the horse all the way to the ground, you know, on the horse and never got out of the saddle. Well, the same situation happened here. I didn't step out of the saddle and the result was the mare's weight came right back onto my hips, which were in the seat of the saddle, of course. And it, it crushed my pelvis, long story short, crushed my pelvis. And uh, I realized pretty quickly that even though it's a small filly, <laughs> uh, she's bigger than you, a lot bigger, a lot heavier than me. And when she fell back and landed on that pelvis, I just knew instantly that things were broken. And it was, I had six breaks in my pelvis alone. I had four breaks in my back and I broke my, uh, my tailbone or my sacrum bone and very painful experience. And another eye opening experience for me to think to myself, you know, because in this case, Laura, I evaluated, you know, I'm, I'm really big in evaluating, which obviously is one of the reasons that we, we call our podcast what we do, right? Every stride, every stride is an evaluation. Every time I do something with a horse, I'm evaluating. And when this horse fell and landed on me, I began to evaluate, man, what could I have done differently? You know, what happened that made her do that? And, and then I had, you know, a lot of time sitting in the hospital rehearsing in my mind, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to set this situation up? to where the outcome might be different. And honestly, Laura, I can't think of too many things that I could have done. So with that in mind, I tell people, sometimes no matter what you do in the means of safety, no matter what practices you do, you still have to realize that horsemanship and working with horses is just dangerous just because they're big animals and the activity is quick and things can happen very quickly. So I you know, rehearsed in my mind, but I can't think of too many things we'd do differently. And the end result was I still got hurt. And so knowing that this was, well, maybe I should ask, we've talked about it before, but I don't know that I've ever asked you this question. Do you think this was a preventable accident? Oh, you know, it's really hard to say. I've thought about that too. Like, what could I have done to prevent that? You know, and that, and that went through my mind several times. Would I have asked her to woe any differently? No. She just gave me a better effort than what... It's almost like you can imagine a kid running through a kitchen, and he's just playing, right? He's played in the kitchen a hundred times. What he didn't know, though, is mom had, had just waxed the floor the day before. And he goes through there, and he tries to stop, and he just slides all the way through the kitchen. Well, the same type of situation happened with this horse, is that you know she's just out there long trotting and moving out fairly nicely. I say, whoa, she tries to stop and do exactly what I wanted her to do. But unfortunately, her, her footing was such that she slid a little bit further than she anticipated. And it wasn't bad. You could just see the mayor thinking, wow, that was, I mean, you could just feel her thinking about what to do next. So to answer your question, could it have been preventable? Oh yeah, we could have been, you know, the only way it really could have been preventable would have been to completely rework the dirt in the arena to make it thicker and deeper and everything else. But yet the dirt was just perfect for all the other purposes. You know, in other words, the other training purposes. Could I have said, whoa, but didn't really mean it? 
<laughs> uh, would that have so, accomplished anything? <laughs> yeah, would that have accomplished anything? Like, hey, whoa, just a little bit. And then the reality is no. So I, I and I've thought about it. Could I have prevented it? And there's not a whole lot of things that I think I could have changed in that. And it's funny. I just watched a video the other day on Facebook. It was a YouTube video, but it was on Facebook. And it showed a guy in a reigning class that the horse did virtually the same thing. The horse did a sliding stop and stopped so deep up underneath itself that it just paused. And in this case, it sat down, but instead of falling backwards, it sat down and then just laid down. (laughs) So it kind of made me realize, wow, that's exactly what happened to me, with the exception of the horse coming backwards instead of, in this case, the horse just sat down and laid down on its side. And I th- probably think the difference was, is that horse probably had more experience, you know, and uh, the little filly I was riding, typical two-year-old, and the option she chose to set down resulted in her sitting down and coming over backwards. And unfortunately, I was between her and the ground when it happened. And I don't remember if I've, if we've ever talked about whether, was the horse injured at all? Not at all, no. Okay. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure she was, you know... Sure. Yeah, a little sore or startled because, I mean, of course, I didn't see it. I, I had uh, a bird's eye view of what the backside of that horse looked like much closer than what I wanted to. But everybody else's view was, and they jokingly told me later when they realized I stood up and everything, but, wow, man, she looked like a turtle on her back. She was just wallowing around on top of you. And I'm like, really? That didn't really help a whole lot. <laughs> so I'm sure she was just trying to figure out what the heck happened, you know. And, how and, did uh, I but, get here and how do I get <laughs> yeah, out of how here? Yeah, and how do I get this guy from underneath me? <laughs> but, uh, well, but no, physically she wasn't hurt at all. I'm sure she was a little bit confused. But then the cool thing was is that when she stood up, she stood right there beside me as if to say, hey, what are you doing down there? Which is kind of typical. You see a lot of horses do that sort of reaction. And so, you know, at this stage, I guess you, you've kind of described what you were thinking and, and feeling as all this was happening. And maybe one lesson to be learned from all of this is no matter how uh, safety conscious you are, no matter how expert a horseman you are, things can happen. And because you're dealing with large animals that outweigh us by, you know, I'm not a math person. So by several times, right? we're likely to be the ones that get the short end of that stick if something like that happens between us and a horse. And so, you know, all the safety rules that you drilled into my head when I was taking lessons from you and that you have taught at expos and clinics around the world all still hold. And the fact that you got hurt, don't reduce the validity of those lessons one bit. Right. They're all still true. Yes. And, but now with that said, I don't want people to think, oh, well, no matter if I practice safety or not, I'm still going to get hurt. So let's just throw the safety out the window. I don't want them to think that at all because believe me, it could have been worse, right? I mean, every situation could be worse and increase the number of, I think in this case, keep in mind, there was a 43 year window between the first accident and the second accident. And that's what I want to emphasize. And quite frankly, that's what I'm most proud about in my career. Not that I'm not you know, keenly proud of some of the students that have done exceptionally well throughout their lives on their horses and their horsemanship. But for me personally, I'd throw a lot of my trophies out the window. If I could make myself a plaque and go in 43 years, you know, injury free, that that's very important to me. But you know, the, the question that comes up a lot though, Laura, is that, well, so what did you do after you healed up and, and all the things that took place after that? How did you get back into the saddle? Right. That was my question because you and I talked about that. And I remember asking you the f- first time you went back after you were up and about again, were you scared to get back on a horse? 
I wasn't afraid to get on the horse. I was afraid a little bit of uh, how my pelvis would feel. When I stretched that pelvis back out, am I going to feel that? Is there going to be any pain? You know, I wasn't afraid to do it. I was afraid of, of how it might feel when I was in the saddle. But yet I was very eager, in fact, to want to get back to it. And, and that might just be the fact that, you know, I grew up as an athlete. I grew up around horses, you know, and, and let's face it, you know, football players and, and cowboys, you know, you get up off the ground, you'll be all right. And you just shake it off, right? You, you just learn that. And it really becomes part of who you are, whether it's, you know, a, a hangnail or a broken leg, you get up and you walk off, off the field or you walk out of the arena, no matter what, you just, you just get up. And then as soon as you can, you get right back in the saddle again, or you strap that helmet and you get on, you know, right back on the field again. So I kind of grew up with that mentality, you know, you just shake it off and you get back. So part of me was like, well, I got I got work to do. I got to get back into the saddle. I wasn't really worried about the act of getting back to it. I was more worried about, well, is this going to hurt when I do? For those of us who, who didn't grow up as football stars and rodeo guys and all the things that don't maybe have that background of shake it off and get back to it. What do you tell if we get hurt? What do you tell us? Well, that's that's what I had to learn too, though along the way, Laura. I got to realizing that wow, it's so unfair for me to tell you to say just shake it off, get back up there. Mm-hmm. Because see, I might know the physical anxiety of what may go on, but I'm, you may be dealing with something that I am totally unaware of, which is the mental anxiety of it. And I really had to work with a lot of ladies such as yourself. I had to work with a lot of other folks that they could educate me on what was going through their mind and and what were the some of the thoughts they were thinking. You know, I know in other episodes, you and I have talked about, you know, women make up over 85% of this industry now. I think it's like a, a 88%, uh, just, just under 90% of this industry. So we, we have to realize that women, quite frankly, think a little differently than men. And, and we also have to think about many of them grew up just like you to where you had been around horses a little bit as a young child. You had those wonderful memories. And then you had this dream that one day, by golly, I'm going to jump on that horse and I'm going to let wind flow through my hair and I'm going to have the greatest time. So you're thinking about that all throughout your adult life. And then when the opportunity comes up to where you can make it happen, you think, oh, good. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I could get hurt doing this. Yeah. And this, it matters if I get hurt. Yes. And that's the, and that's the most important part. It matters because what was at stake when you were, you know, that little bitty girl thinking of riding a pony and letting your wind blow through the hair? What was at stake then? You might be a little bit late for supper or mom might have to strap on a Band-Aid. But yet now, what happens now to women? I mean, let's face it. We live, we live in a society today that women are oftentimes the breadwinners, if not a significant breadwinner. And on top of that, they're going to manage the household. Yeah. You know, they're going to, so the kids are dependent on them. Bills are dependent on them. Husbands are dependent on them. They're a major input to the success of a household. You didn't think about that when you were a child. And on no, because mama would take care of me. Exactly. And now you're the mama, right? So we have to realize, I had to learn, wow, there was no wonder my mom wouldn't let me tackle her when she was outside trying to, you know, be a a sibling to me instead of a mom. No wonder she wouldn't let me tackle me. Not only did it hurt her, but she also couldn't afford to miss work in case I broke her ankle or whatever the case may be. So there's more at stake. And I had to learn uh, about that. I had to learn from women, my own students, what was going through their minds. And then through that exercise with women, we discovered some things that we could do 
to kind of help ease that anxiety. And, you know, we did an article with the Horse and Rider magazine sometime back, and, and it was talking about a lot of those things. What do you do to help develop somebody's confidence? What do you do to, to relieve some of those anxieties? And the most important thing is to focus on what you can do mm-hmm. and not think about the things that you that your brain is trying to tell you to be concerned about. You know, don't don't let your brain think about getting hurt. Not that you don't want to be aware of the possibility, but don't allow yourself to float in that thought of negativity to where you're always worried about what could go wrong and what if this happens or what if that happens? And I'm thinking, yeah, but what if the good thing happens? What if you get up and you ask your horse to take a step to the left and he takes a step to the left? In other words, try to, yeah, imagine that. Wow. And let's focus on those things. Let's focus on the things that you're very confident in doing and that you're very confident in your horse being successful at doing as well. And as a result of those little bitty steps of achievement, before you know it, you've trained yourself how to be successful and you've trained yourself how to give yourself that little pat on the back, if you will, on, wow, look what I achieved. Look what I did. That was pretty cool. And then you just keep expanding on that until eventually you can do those other cool things, such as maybe riding in the field, bridleless, letting the wind blow through your hair. But you've got to start somewhere. And that somewhere, in my opinion, needs to be somewhere safe. Well, I remember way back in the day when, you know, when we were working together, when you were giving me lessons and one of, we talked a little bit, I think in the last episode about, you know, how I wanted to be able to lope, but I was terrified. I was afraid of falling off. I was, you know, just all the things that we've already talked about. And I didn't realize until much later that one of the things you did was you would talk to me the whole time I was riding or about things having nothing to do with what we were doing and you'd get me talking while I was in the saddle and doing things and I I realized much later that 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 was intentional on your part uh to do to get me to do what you just were mentioning which is don't be focusing on obsessing on some might say the chance that you could get hurt turn your mind to something you can't just tell somebody don't be afraid Right. You have to give your mind something else to think about instead of the fear. Yeah. And you know, and, and actually, that's kind of what I do with myself. I mean, the day, and I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend this to some folks, but what I did my very first ride back, if, if I'd have had the choice, I would have ridden the same filly that fell down with me. If I would have had the choice, unfortunately, during the time that I was recovering, the owner took her back to uh, took the took the filly back to her ranch, and and uh, so the horse wasn't. I didn't have access to her uh, mm. when I was going to take that very first ride back. So what I did was kind of the next best thing. I took uh, one of my horses. Uh, it was a, a mare I have by the name of Vanna, Van and Vanna. She, apart from my gilding scooter, is probably the second best trained horse I've got. Uh, very, very reliable, very quiet, very, very gentle. And I wanted that because I got to thinking, what happens if I go to step up in the saddle and I do feel pain in my hips? And what if I again, I get stuck swinging a leg over? Uh, what if I get stuck sitting in the saddle and just sitting there hurts? So I, I knew that those were possibilities. And again, I didn't let my brain think about those too much, but I knew that those were realities. Those, those could be potential realities. So I wanted to make sure that I had a horse that was going to be quiet and easy. And probably if I could look back on some of the things I might do differently, I would have probably had somebody with me. But instead, being as independent as I am, I go to the barn by myself, catch the horse, 
bring her up there, saddle her up, warm her up just briefly. And I step in the saddle and there wasn't a soul around for miles and miles. Now, honestly, you know, hindsight being 2020, I think it'd have been a wiser thing for me to do for me to have somebody out there. However, again, for me on a mental level, it meant a lot to me as far as my confidence and my own independence to see if this is something that I could do by myself. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I've, you know, my background may yeah. be part of that reason. I'm an only child. I'm used to doing things by myself. I'm used to achieving things by myself. The only cheerleaders I'm used to having are somebody sitting in the stands somewhere. So uh, little exercises like this, I didn't think really about having somebody there to look out for my safety. I, I always feel like that's my responsibility. But hindsight being 2020, I think it would have been wiser for me to have somebody there. But when I did get in the saddle, I did what I call a pilot check. You know, I got in the saddle, swung or swung a leg over, sat down, and here was my pilot check. I kind of squirmed in the saddle a little bit to say, hey, do I feel any pain? No, that feels pretty good, in fact. Wow, this, this is kind of neat. So I kind of went through a mental checklist of all the things of what was going to make that first step predictable and more comfortable. So I'm sitting there at first, not going anywhere, just sitting in the saddle, and once that was achieved, let's raise the bar. In other words, how was that experience just sitting in the saddle? And Laura, it was perfect mm. for now, right? And then we took a step and we started walking. And then I'm evaluating again. Well, how's this feel? And we're not really going anywhere in particular. We're just, we're just moving forward. We're just going forward to prevent us from standing still. And how did that feel? Wow, that feels pretty good. I can feel the rhythm, all that movement that I can feel beneath me. The shifting of my pelvis, the shifting of my weight is not causing any pain. Wow, that's pretty cool. So as a result of me feeling okay, I began to do a mental faculty check with my horse. I began to make sure that she was soft in the face. And in other words, just checking with her to see if everything was really cool with her as well. And when she began to pass all the little bitty, little bitty tests that, that I wanted her to do, such as light in the face, responsive to my leg, relaxed. Then we go to the next thing. So we graduate into a trot and now we're trotting. And I remember correctly, we were trotting to the right and little right circles and everything felt smooth. The, the, the rhythm of the trot going back and forth with her hindquarter, that all felt well. So in other words, I've just honestly just kept going over and over and over in my mind, these little bitty checklists. How did it feel? How does my confidence feel? And before you know it, I kicked her up into a canter, and now we're loping circles to the right. So everything was done in control one step at a time to let my confidence build up at each step so that I could push that envelope and explore just a little bit further down the journey. And again, I, I hesitate to tell the rest of this because I don't want somebody to go off and do something stupid, but... I felt so good, and I had been confined either in my own bed or in a hospital-type situation for so long. It, it took me about eight weeks to go from the day of the injury into the saddle again, which some might argue that was a very fast recovery considering the surgeries and everything else. But to me, it seemed like an eternity. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much an outside person. I love the outdoors, picked a great career to, to experience the outdoors. So I got out of the arena fairly quickly. And I, I felt so free to be out and riding around on that horse. I just kept opening gates and going a little bit further. Before you know it, I'm probably two miles from the ranch. Mm. And now that I'm two miles away from the ranch, then the non-male side of my brain kicked in and said, hey, this is potentially dangerous. I'm two miles away from everybody. <laughs> if, something, <laughs> if something goes wrong now, I could really be in a bind. So I started, <laughs> started to, to ride back to the ranch in, uh, in a little bit safer area just in case anything went wrong. But my point to people, though, is take it slow. Whatever your anxiety is, whatever your situation is, 
do what you can do and focus on those things. And then when you gain confidence with each step along the way, then you can just gradually push the envelope and do a little bit more and a little bit more until you feel comfortable with whatever task you're doing. And in, in fairness, I think it's probably important, and you, you've alluded to this, but I think it's important to say to the listeners that they should, as they're hearing this story and considering what they would do in that situation or what they will do if, that's, if they're in that situation, what you were capable of doing is probably going to be a lot more than what uh, the average horse person, you know, hobby horse person, say, could do. Because you've had a lifetime of athletic experience and, more specifically, a lifetime of working almost all day, every day with horses. So you are very, uh, your, your body knows what to do in those situations and your mind is very trained in those situations. And so what might be safe even for you to do, maybe something lesser for somebody like me who doesn't have the, the muscle memory or just the ingrained mental habits to cope with whatever might have happened. Sure. And, you know, and in, in thinking of that, I've thought about other people in that same type of situation, maybe getting in the saddle the first day back might have been a little bit much for them. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do feel good with doing, maybe going out and catching the horse or just spending time with the horse in its pasture, in the turnout pen or in a stall or just leading it to the tack room and, and doing a grooming session, whatever it takes for you to break those steps down into situations that you feel comfortable with doing. But at the same time too, you know, I'm, I don't like for people to hang around in one space for too long. You know, yeah, you, yeah, you got really good at brushing that spot. Now try to move and brush another spot. And, you know, in other words, just don't, don't hang out there for too long. Let's work a little bit more toward your goal. And do you want to ride again? And if you do, then let's go a little bit further. And maybe we might do nothing more than just groom the horse and put a saddle pad on. Okay, that's good for the day. Let's go away. And as weird as that may sound to some people, putting a saddle pad on, really, how hard is that? How is that going to hurt your hips? Or how is that going to hurt your injury to put a saddle pad on? Why? Because it's one step closer in the reality of swinging a leg over. Yeah. You know, and, and so if you can get that step achieved, maybe for now, and maybe is the key word there. Maybe for now, that's good enough. That's that's maybe just the step you needed to take. Pull that sucker off. Go put it away. Brush your horse one more time. Put it put it away, and give yourself a big pat on the back. And say, you know what? I got one step closer to my goal. Tomorrow, I'm going to put the saddle pad, and I might even get the saddle out of the tack room. Eventually, I might put the saddle on. Eventually, I might cinch it up. Eventually, I might put a foot in the stirrup. Eventually, I might put a leg over the saddle. In other words, we just do those things in in increments to where we're challenging ourselves, but not challenging yourself to the point where you're having to fight the anxiety so much that you're really not enjoying the experience. And then you also have to realize, too, that sometimes if your anxiety is way up there and you're only achieving, you're only trying to go to that next step just because you're going to prove to you or prove to somebody else that you can, you've got to realize you're also working with a living, breathing animal who feeds off your energy. So if your anxiety level is over the top, you got to be careful. You might be fueling the anxiety of the animal that you're working with. So we got to be careful about that as well. There are so many components and I, I really, you know, personally appreciate you sharing this story in this way. And I think I'm guessing that there are a lot of listeners who are going to appreciate hearing it as well. You've given us a lot of food for thought. 
Uh, I am willing to bet that there are going to be listeners with questions who've been through a similar experience or for whatever reason have fears related to, you know, their horsemanship dreams that the the tips you, you've shared are going to be helpful to them. And um, we could probably talk about this for another hour and a half, but we're not going to. We'll save that for, for later episodes. I would encourage listeners who have questions about the things that Vance talked about today uh, to share those, to to ask the questions. I know, Van, that you are eager to respond to questions from listeners, uh, either personally or in future episodes. So you can do that in a couple of ways. You can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, which you'll find on the website at vanhargis.com. There's a Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page that Van monitors and responds to questions and comments that are posted there. And, you know, that's an advantage that uh, other people can hear, can read those and benefit them. If you've got a question that you want to ask uh, that maybe you don't want to ask publicly, you can email your questions, your comments, your suggestions for show topics and things like that to info at vanhargis.com and you will get a response. Van watches that and um, likes to engage with listeners and, and share what he knows and hear from you. You bet. Yeah. And aside from that, if uh, you like this show and you want to help us spread the word a little bit, there are lots of ways you can do that. But the first thing I would say is tell a friend. If you've got a friend who loves horses and doesn't know about Ride Every Stride, show them how to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. And consider leaving a review of the show in iTunes as well. You can go there, find Ride Every Stride in iTunes, and there's a place to leave a review. Just a couple of sentences letting Van and other potential listeners know what you think of the show and uh, what you've gained from it and why you like it and why you think other people ought to listen. We appreciate you helping us spread the word and being part of that community. Um, trying to think, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap this one up, Van? I can't think of a thing at the moment, Laura, other than just to kind of reiterate what you're just mentioning there. Please get back with us because it really does mean a lot to me. It, you know, it kind of fuels my fire, so to speak. Uh, we've had so many wonderful emails and so many wonderful responses back from people, but I really want to encourage people to continue to do that, continue to reach out to us and let us know. And also let us know if there's specific topics or specific situations you would like us to discuss. And now we'll, we'll keep that in you know perfect anonymity if they if people would like for us to do so but we would love to hear your stories and if it's something we can share on our podcast we'd love to do that and I, as always just a huge big thank you to everybody who does listen and everybody that gets back to us and let us know and Laura, with that said i'd like to remind everybody that it's your life your trail your journey so ride every stride